This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The breaking news tonight, the nation's largest school system, New York City, abruptly closes its doors, stopping in-person learning as the nation crosses a stunning milestone tonight, 250,000 American lives lost to COVID. Tonight, the long lines across America to get a test, just days before the Thanksgiving holiday. And with every indicator in the U.S. flashing red, the new Thanksgiving warning tonight. Racing to a cure, the first approved rapid COVID test you can take at home. And breaking news from Pfizer. It says its vaccine is safe and it's ready to be approved. A plea from the front lines. Joe Biden meets with first responders. Why the president-elect got emotional listening to a nurse's story. Fighting to reverse the election. The Trump campaign pays $3 million for a recount in two Wisconsin counties. Back in the air, Boeing's 737 MAX gets the okay to fly again after two deadly crashes that killed more than 300 people. But is the plane safe? What pilots tell us tonight. More of our CBS News investigation. Tonight we speak with survivors of sexual assault in the military. We're supposed to feel safe by, you know, with our brothers and sisters in the military, and they're the ones hurting us. And the breaking news as the Secretary of the Army responds to our reporting. It is abundantly clear. We must do better. Fast-moving wildfire. Hundreds of families under evacuation orders in Nevada tonight. And pandemonium. The adorable three-month-old cub needs a name, and the Smithsonian wants your help. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with breaking news and another sign of how dramatically and quickly a new wave of coronavirus infections is sweeping across the country. Tonight, the nation's largest school system, New York City, says it's closing all of its schools, sending more than a quarter of a million students who had been in classrooms back home for virtual learning tomorrow morning and creating chaos for working parents. That abrupt decision comes as the infection rate in New York City, once the epicenter of the pandemic, is rising once again. And while closing schools might be one of the largest indications of just how dire the crisis is becoming, it is far from the most devastating. As we come on the air, coronavirus has now killed more than 250 thousand Americans. Tonight, a record-shattering 76,000 more Americans 
are hospitalized because of it. And one out of every five hospitals now says there just aren't enough doctors or nurses to keep fighting this daily onslaught of new cases. There is some big news on the vaccine front tonight, and it is good news. The drug maker Pfizer says new data shows its vaccine is actually 95 percent effective. That's even better than what it was first announced just last week. Pfizer now says it is days away from seeking emergency approval from the FDA to start giving the shot. So we have a lot of new reporting tonight that you and your family may need to know. CBS's Mola Lenghi is going to lead off our coverage from New York City. Good evening, Mola. Well, good evening, Nora. As you mentioned, New York City Public Schools has canceled all in-person classes beginning tomorrow. That's after the city has reached a 3% positivity rate. Now, you remember, it was just eight weeks ago that public schools here reopened. Today, students received a less than 24-hour notice about tomorrow's closing. As you can imagine, leaving working parents in an incredibly tough spot. A painful about face for New York City. We do need to close our schools for the coming days. Uh, No one is happy about this decision. New York City was the first major city to reopen schools this fall. And the decision to close is not sitting well with the parents of the nearly 300,000 children affected. School is closing tomorrow for an undetermined amount of time. Why? Muga Yafi has a first grader. It's really disappointing for parents who are constantly scrambling. Every day it feels like we're waiting for the shoe to drop. Adding to the confusion, bars, restaurants, and gyms will all remain open. It was a bitter pill to swallow on a day when one of the leading vaccines got a huge boost. Drug maker Pfizer says it will apply for FDA emergency approval within days after late stage trials found its vaccine to be 95 percent effective with no serious side effects. This vaccine looks extremely promising to help us end this pandemic. Dr. Edward Walsh headed up one of Pfizer's phase three trials at the University of Rochester. The benefit is enormous. And the risks are very small. U.S. healthcare workers, the first in line for a vaccine once it's approved, could get their shots in about a month. If we could hang on and implement the public health measures, um, that help is really on the way. Other big news is the FDA approval of an at-home self-test that provides results in 30 minutes or less and costs less than $50. You do need a prescription, and it's not widely available until spring 2021. With a week to go before the Thanksgiving holiday, public officials are not taking any chances. You don't want to be the turkey on Thanksgiving. Americans are looking for the all-clear, lining up by the thousands across the country to get tested. I'm nervous about, like, if I get... Like, sick, I don't want to get my family sick. The CDC says the safest holiday this year is the one celebrated with your household. But if you are hosting, gatherings should be outdoors with a small group. Guests should bring their own food and wear masks. Around the country, governors are continuing to sound the alarm. Arizona and our nation remain in a public health emergency, and getting back to normal isn't in the cards right now. There are growing fears that hospitals in the hardest-hit areas will be overwhelmed as doctors and nurses speak of nightmare situations now unfolding. I think a lot of us now are are in kind of, for lack of a better word, siege mentality. It is fatigue beyond fatigue. And tonight, a comprehensive new study shows that most coronavirus patients maintain significant immunity for at least eight months. That time frame is the only data they've had to work with. But it suggests that if you've had the virus and you've recovered, you could be immune from reinfection 
for a considerable amount of time, longer than those eight months. Now, Nora, this is still needing to be peer-reviewed, but, of course, promising news out of that study. Very promising. Mullalenghi, thank you. Tonight, the White House press secretary says that President Trump is hard at work, though again today he had nothing on his public schedule. That's the 11th time that has happened since the election. And while he has sent hundreds of tweets, purged several top officials and played four rounds of golf, sources say behind the scenes, he's mostly focused on keeping his job. Here's CBS's Paula Reed. Even as top health experts warned the pandemic is spiraling out of control, President Trump made no mention of it today, had no public appearances, and tweeted only falsehoods about the election. The president hasn't attended a coronavirus task force meeting in several months. We mourn for every life lost to the China virus. And the last time he offered his sympathies for the dead was October 31st. Nearly 19,000 have died since then. CBS News has learned Vice President Pence was directly told by health officials that he and the president must publicly address what they called a dire situation. The U.S., they said, could see up to 2,000 deaths a day by Christmas. We know we're up to a quarter million dead. President-elect Biden told frontline health care workers that Mr. Trump is blocking his transition team from getting up to speed on the pandemic. We've been unable to get access to the kinds of things we need to know about, which unless it's made available soon, we're going to be behind. An emotional ICU nurse from Minnesota pleaded for help. I myself have held the hand of dying patients or crying out for their family that they can't see. That caused Mr. Biden to wipe away tears. You got me emotional. President Trump, meanwhile, has continued to fire people. Chris Krebs, the country's top election official, let go after disputing the president's false election claims. I was very disappointed when I found out that he had been terminated. Even Republicans condemned the move as Krebs oversaw a safe and secure election. One the president's campaign is still trying to reverse, now seeking a recount in two counties in Wisconsin as a Georgia recount wraps up tonight with little evidence of wrongdoing. This is a disgrace. You should there was outrage from the public in, in Michigan last night as Wayne County Republicans initially blocked certification of Mr. Biden's win before later relenting. Shame on you. The Trump campaign is strapped for cash, and that is part of why they're focusing on just two counties in that Wisconsin recount. It'll cost them around $3 million, whereas a statewide recount would have cost them nearly $8 million. Either way, the recount is not expected to change the outcome in that state. Nora. Paula Reed, thank you. Today, a former Green Beret pleaded guilty to spying for Russia. Peter Debbins divulged military secrets to Russian intelligence over 15 years, starting in 1996. Debbins, who has family connections to Russia, told his handlers he thought the U.S. needed to be, quote, cut down to size. Debbins faces up to life in prison when he's sentenced in February. Tonight, Boeing's troubled 737 MAX has been cleared to fly again in the U.S. The jets were grounded more than a year ago, and a, more than a year and a half ago, I should say, following two deadly crashes overseas. Since then, critical software was redesigned, and the flights could resume by the end of the year. We get more now from CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Tonight, U.S. airlines and flight crews are rallying around the 737 MAX. American is moving ahead with plans to resume passenger service as soon as December 29th, following the FAA's order ungrounding the plane. 
FAA Administrator Steve Dixon, a pilot, flew the MAX last month. I can tell you now that I am 100% comfortable with my family flying on it. The 737 MAX was grounded for 20 months after two deadly crashes killed 346 people. The FAA will now require updates be installed in all MAX aircraft to address design flaws with the plane's flight control system. Pilots will need additional training before they are cleared to fly. Laura Einsettler is a 737 captain. When you see the experienced pilots coming on board with confidence in, in our training and our mastery, and you can know that it's safe. Michael Stumo lost his daughter in a MAX crash. He remains concerned. They shouldn't unground it yet. Passengers should look to fly on a different plane than the Boeing 737 MAX. And there are critics on Capitol Hill, too, where both the House and the Senate are working on measures that would change the way the FAA approves new airplanes. Boeing says it will never forget the lives lost in the two crashes, and those events have reshaped the company. Nora? Chris Van Cleve, thank you. Tonight, the U.S. Army is responding to our exclusive CBS News investigation into sexual assault in the military and acknowledging they must do better. Over the past year and a half, we spoke to nearly two dozen survivors from all branches of the service who say their allegations were brushed aside or even met with retaliation. Well, tonight, we talked with four soldiers who say the military's program to combat sexual assault is broken and that the Pentagon shouldn't be allowed to police itself. We're supposed to feel safe with our brothers and sisters in the military, and they're the ones hurting us. Mailing Jerez was among nearly two dozen survivors who spoke to CBS News about their alleged assaults. She was raped the first night in her barracks, and she reported it. Did they take it seriously? No, they didn't. They said that I was a distraction that came into their platoon. You were raped a second time a year later. This officer arrived at my home and said he needed to search my home. And after I let him in, I was violently raped. Even though I was bleeding, I had bruises, the proof was on my body, and yet I didn't think it was going to be enough. Sarah Joachimstaller says she was sexually assaulted during a training exercise last year by a soldier who outranked her. Were you afraid at first to report it? Yes. If you're a specialist and you report a commander or even just a senior sergeant, then it's really just point blank. Like, you don't have the rank to put forth the fight. Only one in four service members who are sexually assaulted actually report the crime. Many, like Armando Perez, don't. This leader of mine took me under his wing. He groomed me um, so that he could abuse me. He also was the prevention officer who I would have to report it to. The person you would have had to report it to was the person who was doing it to you? He was a prevention officer. So I had to sit there and whenever he would do the presentations for prevention and, and just be embarrassed and shame that he was the person who was doing it to me. We took a look at the military's data since 2015. Despite an increase in reporting, fewer sexual assault cases are being sent to court-martial and convictions are dropping. Shauna Culp says she was raped in 2010. She reported it, but her case didn't make it through the military justice system until this year. By the time it finally got to a court-martial, your rape kit had been destroyed. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was just frustrating because you put up with all this and you try to get something done. And by the time that it finally gets done, it's like just 
close enough. And just close enough because at the court-martial, your assailant was acquitted because only five said he was guilty, and you needed six? That was still a majority of the people. So I feel like everything is set up against you no matter what. Survivors told us what came after the assault was often worse than the assault itself. I faced immediate and consistent retaliation. After you reported your assault, you were stripped of your rank. Yes, ma'am. They were trying to break me down. They just go after you because you're the victim and you're the problem. How many of you think there needs to be something massive that happens, like a Me Too movement for the military? All branches across the board, all of us need to be able to feel like we can speak up and that you're never alone. When you compare it to other traumatic events that happen to people, whether it's a shooting or combat, you're experiencing that with other people. So you know visually and physically that you are not alone. When a rape or a sexual assault occurs, it's happening to you alone. And when I saw more people reporting it and more people speaking on it, I stopped feeling as alone. That was so beautifully said. It's like the loneliest trauma that you can experience. It's this shame that you carry, and it's this anger and embarrassment that you carry with yourself, but it's not yours to carry. It it belongs to the abuser that did it to you. Well, after declining our request for an interview, the U.S. Army is just tonight responding to allegations made by survivors and their families. In a new video, Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy says, quote, if we do not have the trust of America, nothing else matters. I am deeply saddened and concerned at the recent news reports of how sexual assault and sexual harassment have plagued our force and brought harm to our soldiers. This topic has captivated the attention of America and our Army leaders. And it is abundantly clear we must do better. And that is new just tonight. McCarthy promising to unveil a new plan of action by December 8th and admits that the Army's current program to combat sexual assault isn't working. Well, tomorrow on CBS This Morning, we'll hear from victims' advocates hired by the military who agree and say the Pentagon ignored their concerns as well. In the aftermath of Hurricane Iota, the year's most powerful storm, at least 20 people are dead across Central America. Some were swept away by floodwaters, others buried in mudslides. Iota made landfall in Nicaragua Monday night with 155 mile-per-hour winds, and tonight remnants are still dumping torrential rain across the region. A fast-moving wildfire has damaged or destroyed about 20 homes in Reno, Nevada. Hundreds of families are under evacuation orders. The fire broke out Tuesday and quickly grew, fueled by gusts topping 70 miles per hour. One of baseball's biggest stars just got thrown out for the entire 2021 season. New York Mets second baseman Robinson Cano tested positive for a poor performance-enhancing drug, a steroid. It's his second offense. Cano, an eight-time All-Star, will forfeit his entire $24 million salary. Hard to believe this, but a new election is upon us. Now we're being asked to choose a name for this adorable panda cub. Born a star at the National Zoo here in Washington three months ago, since that August day, more than a million visitors have clicked on the panda cam to watch him grow. He is now nine pounds. There are four choices among the options, the Mandarin phrase for little, little miracle, perhaps appropriate for a little guy born into a global pandemic. 
Polls close Friday. The winner will be announced next Monday. And there will be no recounts. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, how the COVID crisis is affecting rural America with hospitals overwhelmed by the sudden surge of patients. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. Stay positive and test negative. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.